You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News Podcast for the week ending June 24th, 2016. And welcome to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from the Daily Acquisition News. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Dara Curran, content developer and news writer. Joining me for this podcast episode is the lovely Lauren Gardner, one of our crack CRMs here at ASI. I bet some of our listeners are now thinking, hey, I totally know Lauren. She has been in my office before. <laughs> right, and let's hope folks stay tuned for what we have to say today. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Dara, and hi, everyone. Uh, after six years of steady increases, federal agency suspension and debarment actions leveled off in fiscal year 2015, according to the Agency Suspension and Debarment Committee, as they reported to lawmakers this week. The committee attributed the stabilization in part to the maturing of agency suspension and debarment programs and an increased emphasis on and use of alternatives to exclusion, such as pre-notice engagement letters and administrative agreements. The use of administrative agreements also increased by 25%, the committee added, and agencies reported more than 50 instances where vendors proactively approached suspension and debarment offices to discuss potential issues rather than waiting for the agency to take action. Well, that's really good news. It's nice to see a trend of preemptive, preventative activity taking place. It's always better to, you know, try to preserve your working relationship when the issues are fixable, obviously, and give chances to improve before you grab the rod of punishment to wield at people. So nice. The General Services Administration has announced it will unveil in July a new formatted product tool in its multiple award schedule programs. FPT is essentially a system upgrade in the eOffer and eMod platforms that allows automatic upload of products and prices. That allows federal customers to instantly see and buy items they want and vendors to get immediate feedback on how their products are performing. Contracting officers will also be able to easily compare items using standard part numbers and use data analytics from the tool in their price evaluations and negotiations. FPT will be deployed to new schedules in intervals of approximately two weeks, beginning with Schedule 72. GSA also announced the impending launch of the pilot of transactional data reporting of orders placed against certain federal supply schedule contracts, GWACs, and IDIQ contracts. A final rule, published and effective Thursday, amends the GSA acquisition regulation to include clauses requiring vendors to electronically report transactional data, like item descriptions, part numbers, quantities, and prices paid. There are two clauses here. There's one for FSS contracts called Industrial Funding Fee and Sales Reporting, and that will allow FSS vendors participating in the pilot to not have to provide commercial sales practices disclosures, and they also won't be subject to the Price Reductions Clause Tracking Customer Provision. For GWACs and government-wide IDIQs, there's a different clause called Transactional Data Reporting. And that will apply to all new contracts issued on or after June 23rd and may be applied to any existing contracts that don't contain other transactional data clauses. 
The point of all this is for vendors to submit prices paid by government customers so that the data can be used to ensure a vendor's offered price is competitive to comparable products or services, as well as to support contracting officers' price analyses and feed into the administration's category management initiative. The Transactional Data Reporting Clause pilot will begin no sooner than July 1st, initially with the voluntary participation of existing schedule contract holders, and will ultimately involve eight schedules, including Information Technology Schedule 70 and the Professional Services Schedule. FSS contracts managed by the Department of Veterans Affairs are not included in the pilot. GSA is also amending pricing instructions in the GSA Acquisition Manual to place greater emphasis on price analysis when negotiating prices with schedule vendors and reiterate that contracting officers remain responsible for ensuring pricing is fair and reasonable, including retaining the right to request additional pricing information if they're unable to make that determination based on data in GSA's tools or available commercial pricing information. And the Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director, Claire Grady, has issued a new table of Department of Defense component decision authorities for the acquisition of services, replacing the one issued July 21, 2014. The matrix attached to the June 21 memorandum addresses authorities for categories 1 through 5 and is effective immediately. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, has awarded places to a total of 81 firms, 27 of those large and 54 small, on its Strategic Partners Acquisition Readiness Contract, a $25 billion IDIQ vehicle that will provide IT development and support services to CMS, as well as other Department of Health and Human Services agencies. The contract has a five-year base period and one five-year option, and orders valued at less than $29 million will be set aside for the program's small business pool. Two proposed rules published this week would amend the Federal Acquisition Regulation to implement provisions of the National Defense Authorization Acts for fiscal years 2015 and 2016. The first rule would require that when an agency purchases supplies or services that are offered under the Federal Strategic Sourcing Initiative but opts not to use FSSI, it must include in the contract file a brief analysis of the comparative value between the supplies and services offered under FSSI and those offered under the source or sources to be used for the purchase. The second rule would increase the simplified acquisition threshold for a special emergency procurement authority. It would lift it from $300,000 to $750,000 within the United States and lifting it from $1 million to $1.5 million outside the United States. The threshold pertains to acquisitions of supplies or services supporting a contingency operation to defend against or recover from nuclear, biological, chemical, or radiological attack. Yikes. Let's hope that one is just going to sit there and gather <laughs> dust on the shelf. That's very <laughs> terrifying sounding. I agree. And comments on both proposed rules must be submitted by August 19th, 2016, to be considered in the formation of the final rules. So, a legal drama that started way back in 2011 has finally come to a close as the highest court in the land sided with a small but determined service-disabled veteran-owned small business who contended the Department of Veterans Affairs must apply the so-called rule of two when using FSS and mass contracts. 
Yes, at issue was a decision by VA to proceed with an FSS acquisition without conducting market research to assess whether two or more VOSBs or SDVOSBs could perform the requirement. Bill and I had actually talked about this previously when SCOTUS agreed to hear the case earlier this year. The point of contention had hinged on language that said VA shall award contracts by restricting competition to VOSBs if the contracting officer reasonably expects at least two such businesses are going to submit offers and that the award can be made at a fair and reasonable price that also offers the best value to the government. VA pointed uh, to a caveat in the statute that said the provisions were for the purpose of meeting goals for SDVOSB and VOSB contracting. Mm -hmm. They felt that language conferred the option to decide whether to conduct restricted competitions within the broader context of their progress meeting SDVOSB contracting goals. GAO previously sided with the protester and other vendors that challenged VA's position, while the U.S. Court of Federal Claims sided with VA. And so it went to the tiebreaker, and in its decision, SCOTUS agreed with the protester and GAO, explaining that the text in question unambiguously requires the department to use the rule of two before contracting under the competitive procedures. The court wrote, the word shall usually connotes a requirement, unlike the word may, which implies discretion. So when a statute distinguishes between may and shall, the latter generally imposes a mandatory duty like to add, Bill basically called this one. He didn't predict the outcome per se, uh, but he sided with GAO's reading of the language as well. And so an honorary black robe shall be sent to Bill. (laughs) 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 And for everyone else, that is all for this week. And if you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, links to all the headlines discussed today can be found on the same page on VAO where you downloaded this podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next Friday, July 1st, to catch up on all of the latest developments from the Daily Acquisition News. Goodbye.